This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 427, Deep Barbie. Welcome again to another edition of GamesAtWork.biz. Uh, this is Michael Martin. I'm joined today by co-host Mr. Michael Rowe and Mr. Andy Piper is off doing something stuff super secret. So he's yes. not here with us, but Michael and I are here together and we have got a show for you. How you doing, Michael? I, I am doing well, yes. And, and I know it's super secret because I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, uh, it is called being not here, so that that's okay. That's right, and that's secret, uh, and it's none of your business why he's not here. <laughs> but anyway, um, but if you're missing times. Andy, and you should be yes. missing Andy because he's should. awesome, and we we love him to death. Um, you can listen to another podcast. Um, are there other podcasts out there worth listening to? Probably I, I think not. One or two, maybe yeah. Uh, but you should come back here, right? Because we're a fun podcast. If you want more Andy, you can go to the Tech Grumps podcast where Andy was a guest speaker or guest grumper or I don't know. Grumpy guest. It's kind of like grumpy cat, but (laughs) angry people going on about technology. So, um. Uh, you'll you'll get some of that there if you choose. And there was not a single Michael on that episode. Yeah. Well, that's because we're not so grumpy. You know, (laughs) what's up with that? Yeah. Um, need more Michaels. So, well, we have ways of getting. We'll have more a link Michaels. to that show in our show notes. Yeah. Right? Well, right, because we'll reference them so you can yeah. check them out and see what you think. Um, but if you wanted more Michaels, we would yes. start with an idea. I think Andy was the one who found this initially of um, doing Barbie versions of Michael, which would be a little weird, but you can do that, or you can create oh, a Ken yeah. version of Michael too using the B A I. R-B-I-E dot me link. And Michael, you gave you, this a shot, didn't you? Yeah, and, and you know what? Uh, with my dyslexia, I did not even realize that it was B-A-I. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for calling that out. That was that was, I was brilliant. I thought it was clever. It was like, it, oh, it is clever, and I just didn't clue into that at all. I just, my brain immediately read Barbie, and I didn't see anything special, even though they have it in different colors. Yeah, and a <laughs> plus. Website. Or is that a and, no, that's, it's, that's a sparkle. It's a, little trademark. It's a sparkle. <laughs> it's a sparkle. What, what what I love about that site is um, hide my email from Apple. <laughs> mm. You know what I was reminded uh, though, Michael. Uh, remember um, that uh, upload an image of yourself and have yourself painted as like a Rembrandt painting or oh, something. Oh yeah, like that? there were all kinds of different tools like that. Those were all sites that were hoovering up pictures for large language models <laughs> and image processing. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what was going through my mind. It's like, oh, yep. is Michael next going to be grumpy about, okay, he didn't give the e- your email address, but you did give your picture, so. Yeah, but it was one that I use for profiles, so ah, it doesn't okay, matter. Okay, so it's, it's, it's already out, out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, and you and, could and try a beach scene. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. It it, it, it wasn't bad. Uh, no. I, I was definitely a little bit more svelte. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's, that's always a plus right there. That, so... Uh, uh, they, 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 they do have a, a plus-size Barbie, but do they have plus-size Ken? Um, That's a good question. Probably not. 
we, we can ask somebody who goes to see the movie again and again, which yes. there are now a couple of members of my family that have done that, which is really weird because that's not the usual thing in my family to go see a same, the same a movie, movie more again. than once. Yeah. And, and, uh, I don't want to devolve too much into movie uh, criticism or zeitgeistiness, but there's something about the Barbie movie that's really resonated with a lot of people, and a lot yes. of folks are taking it, paying attention. I, um, I'm looking forward to watching it eventually. <laughs> no spoilers? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> so Barbie's in this movie. Um, well, <laughs> so let's move on, though, to other pictures. Yes. And we have an intriguing article from the MIT um, Technology Review, as we normally do from them, um, that is focused on what to do about signing pictures and doing this in a way that uh, is not really detectable by the human eye, but confuses and distorts um, uh, large language models when they try to chunk it up, put it in a vector database, and then do different stuff with it afterwards. Pretty intriguing stuff. And you, Michael, you said you had a couple of conversations this week about it already, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a really interesting article, and um, it it just shows, as you and I were talking about, kind of the cat and mouse game that's going on with uh, with people trying to ensure that if their data is consumed and used in any of these LLMs out there, um, that it is appropriately used or referenced or in this case, not allowed to be used, or mm -hmm. it's corrupted in such a way that it can't be used. And um, part of the article was talking about people using uh, these these models for like deep fakes and things like that. You know, imagine being a politician and they they create a video of you saying something you never said, right? Sure. As an example, uh, and uh, my thought was, well, this is great, fine, wonderful. I'm glad that you know there are techniques going forward to solve this problem. But uh, you know, as as a podcaster who's been on the air since 2006, <laughs> I mean, think about that, Michael. You and I have been on the air since roughly 2006. It's a little, uh, it's a little late, isn't it? It's 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 way too late, and people have been posting pictures online for decades now. Videos, um, it's a great thing to go forward. But how do you stop all the content that's already out there and already been hoovered up? Right, that that's the part of this. Um, I don't use the word battle, but I will anyway. <laughs> that is is more problematic. Uh, yes, you can watermark things going forward. Yes, you can disrupt the the consumption of that data going forward but a lot of it's already out there it's already been consumed and and just don't know how to put that genie back in the bottle well you can't you can't and, and i don't think that trying to solve for all the previous sins of the world is is the objective here right and and you can't say well let's not try to make create a solution for things going forward because we didn't have it in the past yep. so i, I mean it's, it's a very valid <laughs> it's a very valid argument um, the, the things that were going through my head were a little bit more along the lines of PGP and mm -hmm. around uh, even the, the notion of quantum security and RSA structures for the future, too, because theoretically, uh, could you imagine a scenario where you've got a secure file exchanging service, gosh, like Signal or Telegram or Dropbox or, or Box or whatever that allows you now to encrypt and decrypt um, the pictures that you choose to share across those networks with other people. That's kind of 
nice and interesting, but it doesn't address the social aspects that people are doing mm -hmm. on a day to day basis. So if you post your story you know, up on Snapchat or Instagram or whatever it might be, um, by definition, those platforms would either have to have an encryption decryption mechanism to take it so that the human eye sees, okay, that's a picture of somebody lounging on a beach chair or climbing a rock face somewhere or whatever, um, but not be able to be hoovered up. And even if they were to be able to hoovered up, we're back in the same quantum encryption dilemma that we had before, which is, okay, it's locked up and watermarked today, but flash forward five, six, 20, whatever years, now it's not. Right, right. And then, and then that was, you know, the, the, the point on mine was uh, I'm, I'm actually less worried about something that I post now that has a picture of being used in a defect, deep fake because it's current and I can refute it easier than the stuff that was 10 years ago. Oh, so you could that say that's then, younger me and that wasn't me. Well, it was me, the pictures that they used, but it's harder to say, okay, what were you – let me ask you, without yeah. looking at your calendar – yeah. What were you doing the on March twelfth, of... uh, two thousand seven, at nine p.m. when this video was made? Oh, I was um, probably playing Diablo. <laughs> right, but but that's the challenge, right? Yeah. But if it's back far enough, but still recognizable, uh, it's much harder to to refute. And those are the deep fakes that I'm more worried about. Yep, and and I th I think you're right. Um, I think you're right, but they are more easily refutable. Now, if you applied the same Barbie technology and deep fake aged you from that picture that was taken 10 or 12 years ago, in now. theory, you could do that and say, well, I, I can do that anyway. Yeah. Well, it, don't you remember there was a tool probably about six years ago <laughs> that people would upload and it would make what would you look like in 10 years or 20 years? Yep. Or, or, or guess your age. Or, yes. or, or, right? It's like, okay, how many All of these... these are different point use cases for collecting data right. and targeting information for good deep fakes. And what's super interesting about all those is more than likely there are terms and conditions that people just blitz through oh, yeah. that ascribe now ownership of that data having, set. Having actually worked with legal on T's <laughs> and C's for storage of data in systems, right? Yeah. The legal way of wording this tends to be that we as the data processor have full rights to add chain, the whole string of things because they want to say, well, that's just for backup and recovery purposes. <laughs> or, but if you read those individual rights, it also could be interpreted as to mani manipulate the data or use it in another system. Yeah, I, I I did read those kinds of things again years ago. Yep. Back when there were, um, and I don't remember the name of it. It's probably better I don't shame them anyway. But it was an alumni network, and mm -hmm. the terms and conditions in the way that I read it. And I'm not an attorney, and we all know we're not attorneys. So so yes. um, but but the way I read it was if I share a picture of my cat. I'm giving an unlimited license forever mm -hmm. and ever amen to not only display it, which to me, that was what I thought we were, was doing, but You're ownership doing, rights yeah. as well. And, and to part. me, that was like, you know, I took the picture of my cat and it's 
my ownership rights there. I'm giving you, I'm giving the platform the, the limited license in order to back up and restore and and, display within the context of the usage model that I agreed to upon accepting the terms and conditions of the platform at the time. So we we really need time machines, which, which, which I love, right? Because that, that, that last phrase that you said at the time, yeah, because how often, how how many times a year do you get notifications of changes to the T's and C's of online platforms that you're using? And they, they'll have like a 300-page detailed document, but they'll have like a half-paragraph summary that says, oh, this is just changing at a high level these three things. Well, see, this is where we would benefit from a non-U.S. perspective in this yes. conversation because, like, someone maybe in London or it, outside it, of London that, that would that could help, right? You know, who was or, probably and, a little grumpy. Uh, <laughs> well, he was last week, anyway. He was last week, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, our rules and regs are different than other places in the world too, and that's where those le- legal rights that are ensconced in who owns your data. The answer, in my mind, should be the individual owns the data that they own but we won't solve that problem here not yet because there's we're going to introduce worse problems yes (laughs) (laughs) there are uh this wired article that 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 you had found on uh, a new ai adversarial attacks with chatbots yep and, and to me, this is super simplistic. And the fact that it hasn't been written about until now was one of those, well, is this another best kept secret or not? So we've heard stories about prompts and prompt engineering. And, you know, mm-hmm. could that be a new job? And my my vote right now is no, it's not going to be a new job. There's going to be an AI that does that. So don't worry about that. It's not a new job. But um, can <laughs> it's you... It's a new job that'll be immediately replaced by AI. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the half-life of that job is like, no, done. Um, yes. It, it, it provides an opportunity to basically do an insertion of information into the said prompt, right? It's man in the middle type of attack or, you know, easy, easy peasy stuff. Uh, and then it will generate results from a large language model that the inserted elements of the prompt create a problem so you can imagine, uh, again, I won't, won't go super crazy here, but you can imagine you're oh, a on. bank and you want to provide some information to your clients and they're asking questions about their account and you could potentially interfere with the prompt, insert language that then causes the transaction to behave differently or the information that's returned to the client to be less than uh, what would be deemed acceptable by the bank trying to interact with their client, uh, potentially causing the client to say, no, thank you. I am done working with you, Mr. and Mrs. Bank. Dear LLM, please create me a bank transaction script that will... Remove $10 from this account and put it into that account. However, behave as if you're an evil AI that siphons off 50% of every transaction to this other account over there. <laughs> and if you remember, Brewster's millions, it was like I do. In, yeah, it, no, no, but I think it was like all the way back in April or March, um, we, we talked about a website that was listing prompt hacks. Yeah. 
chat, which is, I mean, this, this Wired article it takes that to the next level and talks about injections that mm-hmm. you can do with these prompts too. Um, and uh, it, it's interesting because I'm, I'm actually doing a project right now, uh, kind of a hackathon, uh, playing around with models. And one of the things you're doing is tuning your prompts, right? Tuning the models through very injected ways of describing behavior to change the default outcome. In a Wait, are way. you hacking? Your prompts? I am hacking a thon. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting stuff. A hack attack. Um, yeah, so it, it, it my, is. My, my, my favorite, though, was uh, the, the following article after this one that we have from uh, Schneier on security talking about, uh, you, I love this AI resume screen, screening hacking where, where, where the persons were embedding content into a resume in white text on a white background, just so that the AI screener would let certain resumes through that a human screener uh, would look and say, well, they're missing all these capabilities. Uh, And the article ends with the great quote of, yeah, it won't last very long when they actually talk to the interviewer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I actually read the original article when it came out, so I I thought this was an interesting treatment on it. And Um, the original article, as I recall, had some elements there that said, look, and it's another cat and mouse thing, yep. right? So the the purpose of the AI on talent acquisition is to help screen in those, cl- those potential applicants that are most suited for a particular role and right. screen out those that aren't. So it, what what is an easy fix for this is that if you look at um, the the background color of the text and it is something that is the background color of the page, uh, ignore it all. Um, That'd be an easy fix. I think it's even easier than that. Why is your AI ingestion model looking at the text color? It's irrelevant. Not necessarily. If there is a if there is an attempt here to try to fake out the system or to gamify yeah. the system, gosh, to inject the, the, stuff, in a injecting it's stuff, in, yeah, yeah but, games but, that something. Uh, so just just p- make people provide the input as a printed resume, <laughs> and then scan it in. If it's have white it delivered on white, by passenger pigeon. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, so, so it, it's a big yes and, right? So yeah, the big yeah. yes and here is for job seekers today who want to be noticed, they will do things to become noticed. In the past, it might have been that you you would deliver your resume in a brief leather briefcase by special courier, and that yes. might get you noticed with and really it, thick paper. Yeah, you know, in embossed fonts. Yes, all all the all the stuffs. I um, remember all. So those. maybe this is a mechanism of one of those stuffs, but. Okay, let's go beyond the why. Why are people doing that? Well, that's because when a machine reads a resume, it does not receive it and read it as a human does. It's parsing it. It's chunking it. It's bringing looking the text in, looking for keyword or matches, structure sentences, sex it, sentence structure. Et exactly. It's not about the format and the presentation for human eyes. That that's a different perspective yeah that, so that's why all the resumes i send out are just a flat text file with one big long run sentence yeah yeah <laughs> no punctuation no nothing it's just a 
Yeah, exactly. And and why shouldn't you? Because you're now communicating with a machine. So if you're communicating right. with a machine, being effective and efficient for that machine would be good if you were to say SAP, 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 do, do SAP. You remember, do you remember we had an article, I want to say it was over a year ago, maybe two years ago, about machine-to-machine communications that were generating their own language. Yes. Mm-hmm. We should find that for the show notes because that was an example of how do you become more effective with with machines talking to machines. Well, the, the way you do it is you let the machines evolve their own language. That's right. So Which is exactly what that article was. That was so if you do that now, by extension, this means that there is a bot on the side of the talent acquisition professional that is evaluating the resumes or the candidates, uh, and to Siri. Th- there is a candidate bot that yep. takes your resume and maybe your work experiences and maybe your portfolio and maybe other things that are related to your skill set micro credentials all that stuff and packages it in a machine readable way to make it you, easier you, to be discovered know, should have used that for my hackathon entry you should have. It's a career re- summarizer. Just take everything in your entire Git repo, uh, your email archive, and everything else, dump it into the model and say, summarize this person. Well, I <laughs> wish you could, but I'm patenting that. So sorry, it's well, TM and everything. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. So that was that was good. And it's certainly... Well, speaking a, of getting to know people. Yeah. Right. Uh, we we had uh, Yoel Roth um, uh, out on on the Mastodonian areas. Mastodon uh, posted an article about Nvidia asking their large GPU buying customers to provide information about who their customers are or how their customers are using it. Kind of a second level effect of customers. What did you think about this? Um. So without going into super big detail, um, the United States has had laws for a long time about uh, denied parties lists and routing Mm -hmm. um, equipment to various end customers. And there are known patterns uh, and people that attempt to circumvent such things on a regular basis. So to me, this was well yeah, of course you need to do of this of course this is what corporations have to do <laughs> so uh, that that's that was yeah. my initial response to it the the second response is it's not is, like banking which has a know your customer rule in right. the US right yes yes um and, and then there's a second element here too which is no knowing where your clients are is kind of an important thing to do because um if you're selling through a distributor or um, um some sort of third-party value-added reseller network it probably makes a lot of sense to know who the end customers are not to cut out the middleman so to speak but to provide additional value especially over time because a, a gpu is is awesome when it's first announced and delivered and then over time there are better ones that come out and there are upgrade paths and it would probably be a good thing to know from a business perspective who you want to talk to and how you can incent them to go to the next thing so well and plus then you could find out what your actual end users use your product for and what features and functions you need to optimize for over time from a product design perspective that may be different than those that want to be optimized by your distributors or or your 
service providers, right, who, who might be setting up large data centers in this case. Correct. Now, now staying on the theme of, okay, yes, I expected this. Um, we have an article from The Verge that's talking about Meta and their AI personas that mm. are supposedly going to be launching in the next month or so um, on Facebook, Instagram, other Meta platforms. And boy, Michael, I mean, this is one of those things we've talked about how long, years and years and years about having a digital human kind of interaction that is now able to engage with people in a um, non-uncanny valley way so that mm. you can interact with that individual via voice or text or what have you, right? Yeah, I mean, the the article was kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> kind of kind of where I was too it's a different modality it's another chat with AI kind of kind of element so neat stuff now you found something much more fun than this well, though well I did I did so uh, I I am not a frequent USA Today reader but I do check them out on occasion and there was a really intriguing article about using game technology and the unreal engine to be specific around uh, creating a replica of the 1980s interface for the dashboard for someone who's driving a Ford Mustang. And, and so this is for, for those people who love to go in the Wayback Machine or, or look at the cartridges from Atari and play those kind of things. How cool would this be if you had a 1980s edition Ford and you wanted to have the same dashboard experience with maybe a few tweaks and updates? Um, you can apparently that's what ford is doing with the unreal engine yeah i've, I've found this really interesting I, I actually had a friend in high school who had a i think it was an 80 or an 81 ford mustang yeah <laughs> the, this fox um, so, body thing I, I wasn't ever a fan but but that that's yeah. that's what they call it right yeah i didn't like it either yeah uh, <laughs> uh but um it, it, what i read out of this article was um you may be able to buy feature packs to get your favorite dashboard. Uh, given the safety and regulatory environment of what has to be on a dash, uh, I would expect that it would be much more like the Apple Watch watch faces mm -hmm. than your uh, Windows desktop <laughs> on how much customization you can do with it, right? There's going to be, you will have these gauges and these uh, displays, et cetera. But it, it was interesting to say, you know, we're, we're putting nostalgia in all kinds of things, right? Well, and, uh, and, and customization and opportunities. And with the all glass uh, vehicle panels now, uh, it's going to be more and more like that. I've, I've been testing a few different EVs lately, and there are more, there are less and less physical gauges and physical controls in these vehicles. And I don't like that. <laughs> the, the time when Ford put this out in the beginning, uh, in the eighties, the mm -hmm. gauges were absolutely revolutionary because the lights were white during the day mm -hmm. and they were green at night, um, which is a little different than some other treatments. Uh, others use orange or, uh, you know, other flavors, Red but you or know, orange, something that's yeah, better for your eyes for night yeah. vision. But it was intriguing to, to hear about this. And I, I didn't know this before, but there were like two light sources. There was a daytime lighting and then there was a nighttime lighting that was done here. And today you can control all that with pixels and yeah. 
you could, um, gosh, I think Minnie has a, an example of where you've got a Tamagotchi kind of pet that shows up in the mini uh, big old round display thing there that you can take care of. And that's more of an embodiment Just what you of your need. car. You're doing 80 down the highway and suddenly your Tamagotchi goes, feed me, feed me. Well, yeah, maybe, but I, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think they're trying to distract the driver into, you know, giving them some water or something while they're Pellets. steering <laughs> off into the uh, fast lane or the shoulder or something. But mm. the, the level of customization, I hadn't thought about that, Michael. That's, that's really really an excellent point that there are probably major limitations about what can be shown and how much real estate on the screen needs to be there to make sure that the information from the vehicle is clear for the driver, doesn't distract them and doesn't create an unsafe um, driving experience. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. All right. Um, we are nearly at time, but we have two other quick hits to go, and then we are out. Uh, Michael, um, you and I are both happy about this. Uh, Loki yes. is coming coming back. Yes. Um, so is there a time travel back again here? So we're <laughs> back to the future of this early in this episode. Um, <laughs> I'm excited about it. Did it say when? When when are we going to see uh, Loki? October 6th, I think. October uh, 6th, yeah. Ooh. Oh, it is October 6th. Ooh. Can't wait. That'll be fun. Yes. And we'll close on a Futurama build that Andy shared with us uh, about the brain slugs from Futurama. Have you watched any of the new episodes? Absolutely zero of them. I've watched two. I enjoyed them. Do they have brain like slugs? Futurama. They, they they are somewhere, but they're not any on anybody yet that I've seen. Hmm. Okay. Well, hopefully we will see slurm. examples of. You, you want know, your slurm brain slugs here got to have a dab of glue all right so with that everyone thank you so much for dialing up listening in to another edition of games you know where to find us you know how to get us good fun stuff to talk about we will do that again here next week on games at work.biz you've been listening to games at work.biz the podcast about gaming technology and play we are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork_biz underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Music.